Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another edition of the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. I'm your host, Bill Bannum, and today we are joined by Denise Roy. Denise is Director of Human Resources at Industry Built. Denise has nearly two decades of progressive experience in strategic HR leadership and proven success in partnering with business leaders to optimize organizational effectiveness. Denise's role includes designing, implementing and managing effective policies, programs and processes for national organizations. Denise, welcome to HR Chat. Thank you so much, Bill, and happy to be here. Tell us a bit about yourself. Tell me about your career history and, and how you came to be at your current role. Um, well, interestingly, my career actually, I'd like to say my career started with a three-week temp job. I, uh, I finished high school six months early. This is way back in the 90s. Um, and to earn some money for university, I started temping and landed a three-week gig at a company called Fonarola, which doesn't exist anymore. It was a telecommunications company based out of Montreal. Um, in a way, that temp gig has lasted 20 years. I was there, uh, my, my three-week gig extended. I was there for about six months as a sales administrator and um, loved it so much that when I started the university in the fall, they ended up staying on and they were super accommodating. It was my first foray into the business world and I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the energy. Obviously not in human resources yet. Um, pretty quickly realized that the conventional school experience just didn't work for me. So uh, for the next year, I switched around and started working full-time at Fonarola and going to school at night. Um, What's interesting about that opportunity is um, I was able to stay on. And uh, a couple of years later, we were acquired by a different company called Sprint Canada, which I think most people know, and um, ended up in marketing as a marketing admin and made what I could out of that. Late in 1998, roughly, uh, early 1999, um, my boss at the time, who was the head of marketing, um, who I still consider to have a huge influence, Sue Cavanaugh, a huge influence on my style and my career, was moved into human resources as a cross-functional development opportunity. And I remember she pulled me in my office, into her office and asked me, would you like to come with me? And I said, sure. <laughs> um, and so began... Um, 20 years of human resources. When I got there, I looked around and I thought, you know what, this is really neat. This is where I want to be. Um, Ended up going back to school, still working full-time, completing my HR education, uh, getting my chirp and my churl, and uh, just worked my way up, always through the technology industry, always through telecommunications. Um, Ended up uh, eventually becoming the head of human resources uh, at a company called Terago Networks, um, which is... uh, essentially a, a broadband and uh, data center uh, company in Canada. This was a number of years ago. And um, just, you know, kept plugging away. I first met David Pills, who is the CEO of Industry Built. I uh, first had a conversation with him about um, less than a year ago, March of this year. Um, I met him through an organization called Ace Tech Ontario, which I'm a part of. And I remember speaking to him, and it wasn't about a job. Um, we were connected through a mutual uh, contact. And we just had a conversation about the company, about human resources and his view. And I remember leaving that call thinking, wow, I want to work for him. He was inspiring. Um, He talked a lot about how he, over his 15 years here at Industry Built, has 
have really focused on making it a great place to work, um, the value he sees in his employees, um, and the differentiator that he sees them as being. And uh, the moral of the story is about six months later or so, when I was thinking about making a move from Tarago, I gave him a call and I said, you know, is there an opportunity? And uh, there was, and the rest is history. So that's how I've ended up working here at Industry Belt. I've only been here since August, and it's, it's amazing so far. It's great. That's, that's an incredible story. Thank you. And uh, it, it sounds as though uh, key inspiring figures in your career have been fundamental in, in, in the direction that you've gone in. Um, I, I, I can relate to that too. Uh, I, I always try and learn from the, the bad leaders. Um, I, I call those managers rather than leaders, and, and take <laughs> and take take the take the best bits from, from those that are, that inspire me. Um, what do you what do you believe makes for an effective HR leader? Um, I think ultimately you have to understand your business. Um, I think if a, a human resources leader that is critical to the organization that is the most effective person is somebody who understands not only you know the people side of it but understand what makes the organization tick. Uh, how do you make money? Who are your customers? Um, where do you find those customers? How do you find them? Um, because that's, it's, it's the start of the process. Only then, only then, if you truly understand the problem of business um, and how your company offers its solutions, can you, you fit into that puzzle. You know, your piece of the puzzle and HR leader's piece of the puzzle is the people. Um, and that's it. So you can't, you can't help anybody you know, complete a puzzle unless you understand what the full picture is. So that is the number one thing I'll say, the criticality of, of really being a business leader, understanding everything about it before you even talk about human resources. So you focus very much there on the people. What about, what about the onset of uh, technology and how that permeates into the HR department? I, I, I have a theory that these days HR people are also almost marketing people or IT people. Um, in, in in the extent of the tools and processes, online processes processes that they're supposed to understand, use, train, and implement. Um, how, how much is technology a part of, of of your of your daily activities? It's a significant part. Um, as you said, uh, human resources leaders today have to be de facto uh, marketing executives or marketing leaders, and you're 100 percent right. Um, so when I talk about the people um, as you know, our piece of the puzzle, well, our solution, the way that we actually address those people problems, those you know, people needs, uh, we have to pull all of our tools out of our kit bag. And technology, uh, the social aspect of it, the tools aspect of it um, are just the ways that we get there. If you aren't uh, a marketing executive as an HR leader or a marketing expert, then you have to partner closely with your marketing team. That's the key. So even if you don't have the knowledge to do that, uh, get it, find it, um, become a team member on the marketing team, essentially, um, that helps you go to market and brand. Because the company really has two, two streams in, in the market, right? From a product perspective, so here are the products that we offer. But also, um, from an employer brand perspective, it's just as critical. And in a lot of cases, because our customers are interacting with our people so much, we are finding that some of our prospects and some of our customers are very interested in our people, how we treat them, how we find them, um, you know, the knowledge that they bring to the table. So the marketing side of human resources is one of the most critical uh, tools in our kit bag today. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, tell me, what does what what industry built do? So industry 
Factory Built is ultimately a software company. Um, so we're Canadian, uh, founded in Canada. Um, and we provide software and services to two key industries, uh, the food industry and then the equipment distribution industry. So if you kind of get the name Industry Built, we're very focused on building software for specific industries or for specific verticals. Um, our main product in the food services industry is called Just Food ERP. Um, and essentially, uh, we're a Microsoft uh, partner, and we provide ERP solutions to, again, to our two key verticals. And what does an average work week look like for, for you? Well, I live pretty far north of the city, so I'm a morning person. I'm up at 5, I'm at the door at 6, I'm in the office by 7 most days. Um, the early bird gets the worm and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Given I'm relatively new to, to industry belts, um, my focus day-to-day, -day, so kind of, you know, eight to, 8 to 6 or so, is really on building the HR world here. I am um, the first full-time HR leader that industry built has ever had, um, which actually is sort of an amazing nod to the work that they've done so far, given that we are a great place to work in Canada officially. And they've done that without an HR leader to guide them. Um, so they realized, given the size uh, and where we're at um, in terms of kind of our growth, that it was time. Um, so a lot of my work right now is um, formalizing and taking to the next level the programs that we need to continue to grow, uh, compensation, uh, coaching, training. Um, so the, the last kind of three months has been making the plans, and <laughs> now it's about executing the plans. I feel pretty strongly about um, being connected, uh, talking about kind of marketing and branding. I feel pretty strongly that an HR leader's responsibility is also to keep connected to your marketplace. That means the industry that you work in. That means other HR organizations. So most weeks, I'm, I'm, we're out in Mississauga. Most weeks, I'm downtown, uh, in downtown Toronto, at least one or two nights um, at various events, whether it be um, Ace Tech Ontario, which is an organization that I'm a part of, uh, liaising with other HR leaders, or I sit on a couple of boards as well. So busy weeks, all in, um, but all key pieces to getting myself ramped up here at Industry Belt. So I'm guessing that you find time to sleep on weekends? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I, I do live a busy life, but it's a choice and I love it. I actually I go to school as well right now, too. Um, oh my I, I'm, taking, I'm finishing an English literature degree at, at Waterloo just, just for fun. Um, but I've always been that way. I've always been um, somebody who busyness uh, begets busyness, and uh, that's where a lot of the great ideas come. You never know where an opportunity is going to find you. So um, it's right now that's where I'm focused. Now, something else that you're probably focusing on um, over the next week or so is um, you're, you're going to be a speaker at Disrupt HR Toronto, happening on December 1st, and uh, you're, you're going to be talking about fake it until you make it um before we get into the the subject matter and the learnings uh, tell tell me a little bit about why you decided to apply to be a speaker at disrupt hr toronto i've been lucky enough to uh get to know jeff waldman uh, waldman who is one of the organizers organizers of disrupt hr toronto um, so he and I have become acquainted over the last year or so. He's actually part of my Ace Tech HR roundtable. Um, in getting to know him, he's really opened my eyes um, to some of the more modern thinking um, and the social world of human resources, the value. I've always known marketing. I've always known tools and technology are part of it and part of the job. But um, my exposure to how he embraces it 
has been eye-opening. Um, so through him, I actually became aware of Disrupt HR and, and the concept. And of course, I started kind of looking around. Um, it's amazing. Um, this will actually be my first lightning presentation, uh, so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, but I think that the concept of being um, quick, uh, to the point, uh, humorous, irreverent, um, you know, in a five-minute presentation, the opportunity to do that um, is different from anything else out there. It's very different from the traditional kind of speaking engagements that um, we often see out there. So I jumped at the chance. I, uh, I hope I do well. I think I'll do well. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what it was. It's different. It's new. And uh, I, I think this may be the future. So that's why I, I opted to uh, submit an application to speak. This may be the future. Perhaps that's going to be the, uh, the, t the subject of this podcast. Um, I like that. <laughs> so uh, t tell, me, tell me about the topic you're going to be okay. talking about. So <clears throat> my title is Fake It Till You Make It, Crushing Imposter Syndrome in Its Tracks. Um, imposter syndrome is really the focus of my talk. And really, I mean, there's tons of books on, on, on the topic of imposter syndrome, but the way I break it down is there's always that little voice inside of all of us. Uh, most of us anyway, um, when they're out, when you, when you put yourself out on a ledge, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not ready? Um, what if, or, or more, um, more deviously almost, what if they find out that I'm a fake? I think that we all have, um, not confidence issues, but there's always this little kind of doubting voice. Even when you can be the most qualified person on stage, you can have years of experience, you can know your topic inside and out, but in a lot of cases, um, executives, women specifically sometimes, um, feel that they're not truly ready um, to do what they've been asked to do or to do what they think they can do. And what does this mean? It means that people often don't put up their hands for things. It means that people often hold themselves back um, simply because they feel that they're not ready. They feel that they're an imposter. Um, and my concern with this type of syndrome, imposter syndrome, is that they feel that they're never ready. So it's not so much that they um, you know, need a few more years to get ready or a little bit more training. It's, it never comes. So my concepts and sort of the key learnings of, of my talk are about you are ready now. Whatever it is, make the leap. Because ultimately, you can't ever underestimate yourself. Unfortunately, a lot of others are too happy to do that for you. In my, in my coaching as an HR leader, I often say to people, you know, it's a lot harder for people to knock you off the pedestal. It really is. It's not human nature. It's, it's hard to do. If, you're, if you put yourself on a, a reasonable pedestal, most people won't knock you down. But if you choose not to climb up on that pedestal, most people, it's very easy to say, you know what, you're right. You're right. You're not ready. Um, so my talk is really about the impact of, of holding yourself back, the missed opportunities that happen, and how you should overcome or crush imposter syndrome to get ahead. And I do relate back to sort of the impact on business, um, because unfortunately, this can, this can affect the business, either the businesses that you're in or the businesses that you want to be in. We're missing out on great genius here, I think, because people feel like they are imposters in their own skin. So it's, a, it's an important topic to me, especially as a, as a leader and a coach, and I see it a lot in some of the people that I mentor. That's why I'm looking to try and bring it to the forefront a little bit. What would you say to someone who says, I want to make the leap, but... I'm, I'm scared to fail. The answer to that is um, everybody fails. So even those that are 
truthfully qualified, whatever that means, um, even those that feel or that other people may perceive to be qualified fall on their face. It's inevitable. Um, it happens. So whether you feel like you're ready or not, um, you need to be ready for that risk and know that it doesn't mean that you weren't ready to begin with. So it's about um, addressing the fear, getting the confidence to take the leap, knowing that eventually you will stumble over something. It may not be this. It may be something else. But the key is getting up. Don't retreat. You can't allow failure or falling down to allow you to scurry back into your mask or in, in, into, you know, into your shell thinking, okay, it's true. I really am an imposter. No, you're not. Because everybody else would, could have done the same thing that you did. So it's about losing gracefully, failing gracefully, and learning from it, and then getting back up. That's what I would say. Do you, do you subscribe to the idea that um, failing and learning from your failures can be much more powerful than having a smooth sail, if you like. I, I, I remember when I started my career and uh, I was so keen to impress and, uh, and terrified to, to fail. And, and, and then things happened along, along the way. And uh, I, I personally look back and the best lessons I ever got were through trying something, it didn't work out, learning from it and not making that mistake again. What, what, what's, what's your take? So my take on that is, as I mentioned, failing is, and, and I don't mean to be negative, but failing is inevitable, right? Um, I don't necessarily feel that you always learn more from your failures than you do your successes. I think you can learn equally from both. Um, but the key is to, um, to learn, uh, you know, to be open to those learnings, um, not letting failure um, take down your confidence, knock you off that pedestal so much that uh, you don't learn and that you don't try again. Um, really, it's about, to me, just the experience of doing. Whether it works or doesn't, you're still going to learn from it. You mentioned earlier um, a little bit about the format for Disrupt HR Toronto. It, it's, it's five minutes. Uh, it's, it's not the longest session. So um, summarize a couple of those unique challenges and, and obstacles uh, that, mm -hmm. that that kind of format provides. I think the key is, uh, so it's five minutes, and one might think, well, how much damage can you do in five minutes? <laughs> um, a lot. <laughs> um, you have to come out of the gate uh, very strongly. I, I think people are, are watching lightning sessions or five-minute presentations, uh, waiting to be uh, hit very quickly with information that is new and interesting and entertaining. Um, so you have to be there. You have to come out of the gate very strongly. Um, be engaging. Realize that you're not in a stuffy and stodgy, I'm using those adjectives carefully, um, you know, 60-minute presentation, a traditional format. So you can, you can be a little bit more lively. Um, and I think people expect that. So try and come out of your shell as much as you can and uh, be relatable and be memorable. Um, what's interesting about a lot of the lightning presentations that, um, that I've been watching as I prepare for this, um, I remember most of them. Um, that's the key. You know, if you think about the last hour-long presentation that you, thought, you, know, you sat through, whether it was a lecture from a professor or whether it was you know, a, a session at a conference, they're all, they're all great and they're well-prepared. But do you really remember all of it? Probably not. You, know, you remember the recap. You'll remember sort of the key messages, hopefully. Um, that's all there is to <laughs> these lightning presentations. So I think um, 
know that the topics that you're going to bring to the table will be remembered, so they have to matter. They have to be important. Even though it's a short presentation, I don't think you can get away with being vague. I don't think you can get away with just being entertaining. Uh, you have to have a point, and you have to make it uh, quickly. Um, so whether it's uh, agreeable or disagreeable, it doesn't matter. Come out of the gate strong. Uh, be entertaining. Um, make your point. State your claim. State your case. This is what I believe. Um, because I can guarantee you that the people leaving that room at the end of your session, uh, 24 hours later, they're going to remember what you say. Those are sort of kind of my key messages or my key thoughts as I prepare for this session. That, that's a really great point. And I don't think of, of those that I've interviewed previously um, for different Disrupt HR events, anybody has really raised that before. But you're absolutely right. The, the, one of the big pluses, if you like, of, of the Disrupt HR format is you do remember most of that presentation because it's so succinct. Uh, I, I love that. Thank you. Why do you think that Toronto needs an event like, like Disrupt HR? Um, do you not think that Toronto has enough HR events going on already? No, not, not at all. I think, um, so kind of back to imposter syndrome, um, this is kind of my theory and my take on it. Not everybody would agree, but Toronto has its own version of imposter syndrome. Um, we're Canadian. Um, oftentimes that uh, we're seen as, you know, less authentic than our American counterparts, bless them. <laughs> um, but we're trying really hard uh, to be an incredible um, haven for technology and growth. You know, you've heard a lot of the uh, Silicon Valley North comments and things like that. Um, what I will say to that is we're legitimate. We have huge talent here. We have great ideas. Um, so I think that in order to be a part of that community, I think in order to um, really reinforce that we're not imposters, that um, we're legitimate, um, these types of sessions, which are um, kind of challenging the status quo, I think, in terms of how people discuss topics, how people present, um, are important. Um, it makes us part of the club to some degree. Um, so I'll say that about kind of the lightning presentations, specifically Disrupt HR. But what I will also say, too, is this isn't it. Um, I think that this is just the start. So when you say, do we have enough, um, we have a lot. Do we need more? Absolutely. And I think that every new type of session, every new type of um, technology-based conversation, every new type of kind of forum um, needs to come to the forefront in Toronto. It'll keep us at the front of the map, right? So Disrupt HR is now, and the Lightning presentations are now, what's next? That's sort of where my head is going. Um, so I think Toronto should always be open to the new, uh, to the challenging, because we are a haven of technology, a haven of growth. We are it. We are not an imposter, so we've got to be part of it. Awesome. And, and what is next uh, for you in, in terms of attending or speaking at other HR leadership, recruitment, talent-related events in the next six to 12 months? Uh, do you have any plans on, on attending or, or speaking here Actually, in Canada yeah. or, or, or perhaps down in the U.S. as well? Yeah, um, I've actually – I'm thrilled – uh, and proud to have been selected an Ace Tech Ontario Leadership Initiative Award winner, uh, big word, <laughs> um, for 2017. Um, so essentially what that means is uh, for Ace Tech in uh, May of next year, I'll be presenting what they call a power session. So it's a working session for uh, tech executives in Toronto um, to discuss my particular kind of expertise, my particular topic, which is really about 
um, activating the human resources function um, in technology in Canada right now. You know, when to HR, how to HR, how to leverage, how to build, how to activate. Um, so that's my next uh, speaking session on the docket right now. I'm really excited about it because, again, it's, it's my audience. I'm speaking directly to uh, ASEC Ontario technology CEOs and leaders and executives. So I think that um, I think that they'll get a lot of value from this session, and it'll be really awesome. Uh, we're we're at that point, sadly, where we're going to be wrapping up quite shortly. But uh, but before we do, uh, how can our listeners learn more about you, Denise? Oh, um, so thank you for that opportunity. I've really enjoyed uh, the conversation that we've had so far. Um, so honestly, they can find me at, uh, I've got a blog at denisekroy.wordpress.com. Uh, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, so if anybody's interested in connecting and chatting about HR best practices, about technology in Ontario and Canada, uh, please look me up. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to chat. So listeners, that takes us to the end of this particular HR Chat podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette. I've been your host, Bill Bannum, chatting with the wonderful Denise Rory. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette.